on the piano, so we appreciate that. Well, Kathy's absent today and visiting grand son, right? Yes. <laughs> Had a 50-50 chance, Gary. <laughs> so, uh, I just hope I remember my granddaughter's name when I was up there. <laughs> All right, well, here's a story. I've told it before, it's an old story, but it's a good story, so you might as well share it, you know, occasionally. There was a little boy who once lived out in the country, and they used to have an outhouse. How many anybody under 15 knows what an outhouse is? George, you're not under 15, you aren't either, Bob. Okay, there's a few of us. It's an outdoor bathroom for what it is. And the little boy hated it. Because it was hot in the summer and it was cold in the winter. And it stank all the time. And the outhouse was sitting on the bank of a creek. And the creek, uh, it it was on the bank of the creek is what it was. And the boy decided one day he would push the outhouse into the creek. So one day it was raining hard. We've had a lot of hard rain, haven't we? Imagine our hardest rain. It rained hard and the creek was big. It had swollen up real big. And the boy decided that would be a good day to push the outhouse over the bank and into the creek. So he got a large stick and he put it at the top of that outhouse and he began to push it. And sure enough, he tipped that outhouse over and down it went into the creek. And it floated away. That night, his dad told him they were going to the woodshed. How many anybody under 15 knows what it means to go to the woodshed? Looked like he was going to get a spanking. That's what it looked like. And the little boy asked him why. And he said, someone has pushed the outhouse into the creek today. It was you, wasn't it, son? The boy said, yes. Then he thought a moment. He said, Dad, I read in school today that George Washington chopped down the cherry tree and didn't get into trouble because he told the truth. And the dad said, Well, son, George Washington's father was not in that cherry tree. Sometimes sorrow and contrition is not quite enough. And if that's all there is to our Christianity, that we're sorry for our sins, it's not enough. We've got to put our faith in the Lord. We've got to trust Him. We've got to commit our life to Him. And then ask Him as our Savior, forgive me of my sins. It's a total commitment. And, you know, Christianity is walking on a path. I'm thinking about some outhouses I remember, and there was always a path to the outhouse. It might be a path like this to get out to the outhouse. Many of you remember Miss Ward. Miss Ward had an outhouse back 
behind her house. And, and she needed that path to be cleaned. Cleaned out with a weed eater or somebody come and clean it occasionally. And why would that be? What was in those weeds that bothered her? Snakes? Boogers. That's what it was. We need a path, and we've got to walk on the path. And so, a Christian walk is not just walking a treadmill. It's not just staying in one place. Just continually treading along. We've got to keep breaking new ground for the Lord. To, to live as a Christian means you've got to keep, keep on breaking new ground. You can't stand still. If you stand still, you're going to die there. And so, keep breaking new ground. The work of the Holy Spirit is progressive in our life. He works in our life. He's there to continue to help guide us, teach us, forgive us, and help us to continue to grow as Christians. And so, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So there's breaking new ground. And uh, there's a few... A few scriptures I want to read for you. First, I'll read Luke 9.62. I'll just read a verse here and there today. We won't have one long text. We'll just have a verse here and there. Luke 9.62. And Jesus said to someone who was going to follow him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. In other words... To become a Christian means you're putting yourself behind the plow. You're following the plow. And how many of us over uh, under 600 today remember walking behind a cloud? A crowd? I don't know. Some of you have walked behind a plow. But it's breaking the ground. That's what a plow does. And the object there is some animal pull, pulling it, and you're standing behind it, plowing, trying to plow straight. No man, having put his hands to the plow and looks back or stops or quits, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so as a Christian, we're to keep on breaking new ground. Things may not always be the same, but we keep on keeping on wherever we are, no matter where we are, no matter how old we become. Look at Psalm, we'll look at Psalm 34, verse 18. <clears throat> it says, The Lord is near unto them that are a broken heart, and save such as be of contrite spirit. Then over in uh, Psalm uh, 51, 17, <clears throat> or 16, thou, thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. And so the Lord's talking about continually breaking our hearts and working in our lives. Um, and so, as we look at this today, there are six areas I think that this is referring to. One is the stage of, of letting God in. Letting God in. We've got to break the ground to let the Lord in. If our heart has gotten hard, we've got to break that ground and let God in afresh and anew. Um, and this begins, of course, when we accept Christ, the day we receive Christ. We've got to break, our hearts got to be broken. Not only contrite, but willing and accepting and receiving. Receiving what God 
has to give us. Pascal said there's a God-shaped vacuum in every heart and a man is restless until he's filled by him. We're created in God's image. We're created in the image of God. There's a place in us for God. We might think of all kinds of things to put in there. But the Bible says that sin separates us from God. Our sinfulness can separate us from God. Isaiah 59, 2. Just look at that a moment. Bobby, I'm getting a little ringing up here if you can help me with that. Isaiah 59, 2. It's either that or I've got a cold all of a sudden. So let's see what we've got. Um, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you, and He will not hear. You see what happens? Our disobedience, our breaking God's commands, our sinning against God's love, our, our sinning against a brother or a sister in Christ, it breaks. It is as a wall that comes between us and God. And we've got to break down that wall from our side. Our side is, is, is we ask Christ to to forgive us and to come into our life and we promise our heart to Him. That's our side. From God's side, He comes with His grace and His mercy and His love and forgiveness and He enters into our life as Savior, but not only as Savior, but as Lord as well. Now, we've, we've begun a relationship with He. He's number one. He's number one. And so we've got to earnestly seek the Lord. When I accepted Christ, I was about the age of my granddaughter there. And um, I'd been coming to church. I'd been a part of church. And I believed the Lord loved me. And I was, I, I, I'd look up in the sky and I felt good about the Lord when I was a young fellow. Uh, one time come, we had a, I think we was having a revival in our church. And, and so uh, we came to revival and I was a, I brought a friend of mine who lived across the road from me. He was he was meaner than I was. And I was pretty mean. And he and I were sitting in the balcony. We were looking at people from the balcony. So when you get an eight or nine, ten-year-old kid looking from the balcony, a little boy, guys, what do you think a little boy's thinking about? Trigger, what would you think about? No. <laughs> No, not at that age. You're looking down at these heads below you, and you're thinking, I could spit right on top of that guy's head. That's what you're thinking about. And we was up there enjoying ourselves. That's why you don't leave these kids unattended in the balcony. And so the preacher preached, and it was a revival meeting, and the Holy Spirit was moving in people's lives. You know, we need to come to church every Sunday in a spirit of desiring revival in our church. Because if God's Spirit is moving among His people, His Spirit also moves among the lost. It makes a difference if we come expecting it, if we come desiring God to move in our life. And so the preacher preached and the invitation was given and when the invitation was given, this friend of mine, who might, might have been a year older than me, he, he left and went down back in the balcony, went down the steps, and he walked that aisle and he came up to the preacher. And he was desiring in his heart that he wanted to be saved. 
And I was up there watching. And I thought, well, listen, I'm the one that's been coming to church every Sunday. And I'm the one that brought him to church. And it's not right that he go ahead of me to become a Christian. And so I started. I started. And I got to the stairs in the back. And I was going to go down the aisle. And when I got on those stairs, I realized there was something not right about the way I was doing this. And this all happened pretty quickly. But I realized in my heart that I wasn't right with God. And I didn't really know what to do. And I just prayed a prayer, simplest little prayer you probably can imagine. Lord, help me. And when I did, I got a peace over my heart. And I went on down the aisle and I talked to the preacher. And after the service, he, he and another man went back with me and they shared with me how to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I did. And I was baptized. And when I was baptized, I was so short that they had to put a cement block in the middle of the baptismal pool. It was a deep pool. And dragged me over to it, baptized me, and then swung me back over to the steps. Somebody asked me, said, Charlie, do you, uh, you're going up and put your waders on, aren't you? I said, I don't use waders. I said, I don't use them. You know, early in my ministry, before I was really pastoring, I had a friend who was pastoring, and he had his first baptism. And, in the bab- and he, had, he had heard, and he was all prepared for it, and he had waders on. And he also had a robe on. Now, one thing, is I don't wear robes, period. But uh, he had his robe on and, um, and his waders, and he baptized. And then when he was coming out of the baptismal pool, he realized he couldn't move. His waders had filled up with water. And the deacons had to come up and drag him out of the pool. So I don't know if that's the reason, but anyway, I like to get in there with them when they're being baptized. And so I, and so I accepted the Lord as my Savior. I invited Him into my heart. And I want to ask you, are you right with the Lord? How's your heart before God? Do you feel like there's something separated you from God? And I want you to know that that's our sin. And the Lord says if we'll call out to Him, He will hear us and deliver us and save us. You might not be able to pray a long prayer. It don't have to be a long prayer. You just ask Christ, forgive me. And I want to give my heart to you, all of it, and follow you. Seek the Lord. Secondly, a second matter in breaking the ground. We've got to continually break ground in our, ground in our Christian life. And the second thing is desire to know more about God. Have a hunger in your heart for God. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst after God shall be filled. Have a desire in your heart to know more about God. So whether you are a, yourself a child 
Or you're a child of God. You might be old as Methuselah. If you are, I want to see your birth certificate. But you might be old. But it doesn't matter. If we are a child of God, we, have, we are a disciple of Christ. And that means we are a learner. We are a learner about God. And, and, uh, and we are to find out about God. What is it about God? And, and to think about God who loved us enough, He left heaven's glories in the form of His Son and died on the cross for us and rose again that we might be saved. And that He has chosen, if we were to receive Him, He's chosen to live within our heart. And we should open our Bibles hungrily and study the Bible. Read it. There's no other book like it. There was a man once who, who uh, really wanted to find out about life and he was reading all kinds of books. He was, he was so desiring. Something in his life was missing. And he, couldn't, he could not get at it. And finally he saw his daughter one day reading a Bible. And he had not read the Bible. He took the Bible and he began to read it. And as he read it, God spoke through those words to him. And he found what it was. He found the Savior, Jesus, in reading about Him in the Bible. And so we have, we have classes here. We have our Sunday school, our Bible study teaching in Sunday school. We have small groups meeting together. They read the Word together. They talk about it together. We have our Wednesday evening programs as well going on. All ages are involved there. Folks who say, I want to know more about God. You get in here and you, you, know, you might read other Christian books. You read, you read the verses of the songs. Songs are great teachers as you look at the words of them. And so we never leave that stage, that stage of breaking the ground anew and again and afresh in our heart for the Lord. Stage three is desiring to live God's way. To live God's way. And so as we learn about God, we discover, we discover that God has a plan for us. And we want to know what it is. What is it that God has for me to do in this, in this world? And, and, and that God has attitudes that He expects us to have. He expects us to have a merciful heart, for instance. He expects us to be willing somehow to forgive. One of the greatest hindrances that we'll have in our Christian life is that unwillingness to forgive and lack of desire. Bring it to the Lord, and He will help us to forgive. We've got to make decisions in our life about right and wrong, and morality, and what to do. And say, you always say to Him, Lord, I want to be a blessing to You. And I want You to bless me, and I want to know You. And so I want, I want a desire to live in Your way. We sing a song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way than trusting God and obeying Him. And so part of our process of growing as Christians is making decisions day by day that we know will honor the Lord and please Him and obey Him. We realize we have boundaries in our life that we must not cross. We have battles with temptation. We have battles for goodness and for things that are right. And we need to keep learning how to choose the right way. Another stage, we'll call it stage four, is breaking the new ground of service. 
Now these are things that all Christians, all of us are called to do. So not only would we accept the Lord in our heart, not only would we be hungry for His Word, not only are we to uh, seek to please Him in our life, obey Him, but we're also to serve Him. And so that purpose, one of the purposes God has for us is some place of serving. And I'm not even talking about, first of all, a place. I'm talking about the heart. I'm talking about having a heart to serve. If we have a heart to serve, listen, you're going to find a place to serve. If you've got a heart to serve the Lord, then you're going to find a place to serve. And so, uh, and part of this, part of this is just unlocking the doors of, of serving. So wherever you are in life, boy, girl, man or woman, there is a place for us to open our heart and say, Lord, I want to serve you. Jesus says, He did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve. He uses Himself as an example. He gets on, he, soon, on the night before He's betrayed, He gets on His knees before His disciples, and He sits down and He washes every one of their feet. He's trying to teach them a lesson that they ought to serve one another. They're not greater than others. They're there to serve others. Now, that runs contrary to everything you know, that we do normally in life, you might say, of trying to, trying to do better in our work, trying to get ahead, trying to be whatever we can be, you know. But to have a servant's heart, this is the way in the kingdom of God that, we, that we're to live. And so we ask ourselves, how can I leverage my time and my talents and my treasures to advance God's kingdom? How can I do something to serve God? When I was a young fella... Um, I got a call to preach, I guess, about, I guess, I don't know how old I was, maybe 19, 19, I was starting college and felt a call to preach. But I can tell you this, it didn't start with a call to preach. The Lord just didn't wake me up one day and say, you know, I'm calling you to preach. There's something in our heart that has to happen before we're going to be open to any kind of call. And that is a decision in our life, a commitment in our life, that I'm going to be a servant. God called me to be a servant before He ever called me to do anything else. And I count that as my highest calling. That's the one. Even before the call to preach is a call to serve. And that's something that every one of us have the opportunity to answer to, is a call to serve. So how can I do it? How can I get in my life, how can I become a servant of God? And then the call came, a call to preach. My hunger for God's Word, my, I guess my natural ability to be yakky, I talk a lot, I don't know. Somehow God called me to preach. Call to serve. And I had a call to preach. I had a specific calling God had laid on my life. The call to preach is not the call to pastor. The call to pastor comes from the church. It's a call from the church. Now I've got to be willing to serve. I've got to be willing to serve the Lord. And I should have some of the uh, gifts to be able to do it. But the call to preach is the call from God. 
The call from the church is also an important call on our life. It's the church inviting us to share our gift, our giftedness among the body for the good of the body and for the purposes and missions of the church. And so, now not every preacher looks at it that way. But that's the way I look at it. And so, one of the hardest lessons for Jesus' disciples to learn was the call to serve. It runs against our pride. It, 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 it challenges us in our pride. But it's the calling that everybody needs before they follow the Lord as a servant, a servant of Jesus. And so this breaking new ground may be for you in this very area of humbling yourselves to serve the Lord. Another new ground in our life is experiencing the power of God. When you come to serve the Lord, one of the first things you realize, and this is what most of us always think about when we're thinking about what can I do for the Lord is, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. I really don't have it within me to be able to serve the Lord. And I can tell you this, that was the first thing that occurred to me once I committed to serving the Lord was, now the Lord has specific thing, specific something He wants me to do. And my first reaction is, I cannot do that. My struggle with my calling was my sense of inadequacy. I could not do it. I did not feel worthy to do it. I did not feel able to do it. I wasn't going to do it. And I struggled with it. And I struggled with it. And I remember uh, being praying with my pastor. I sensed the call. He knew it. And I remember praying with him. And he said, I said, Preacher Hoddle, I said, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't believe I can do it. I don't feel worthy to do it. And he bowed down with me. And right there at the altar in front of the church, he bowed down with me. And he said, I don't feel adequate either. He'd been pastoring for, you know, 35 years or more, something like that. And he said, I don't feel adequate. I thought, my goodness. He said, we only do it in the power of God with the help of the Lord. That's true in all of our seeking to serve the Lord. Whatever we're trying to do, we do it through the Spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit. When I'm at, when I'm the most effective servant of God is when the Spirit is flowing through me. I'm at my least effective time when the Holy Spirit is not flowing through me. I've tried it both ways. To know, to experience the power of God. We're up against the forces of evil. We're up against the devil and his legions and his, his, uh, his tricks, his power. And you don't want to face the devil in your own strength. You want to face him with a good Lord in your heart and say, I'm living for him. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to face, face this and serve you, God, in the Holy Spirit. Some of you who went to camp probably last week or two whenever you went to Caswell, you've probably had a time in your life of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
But when you get back home, you'll have to realize that it's not going to remain unless you yourselves desire it to continue to remain in you. And keep your prayers, keep praying. That's the way to do it. The power of the Lord comes through praying. And so it's through prayer that we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Not to situations around us. Not just so everything's going to play out all right. We're going to be, we're going to be surrounded by all kinds of things that point forward to us. We most, most likely in life will find lots of contrary winds. But you only move forward with the power of the Holy Spirit that's in our heart. And so, and then finally, it's just to know God as a person. To relate to God personally. That's, that's I'd say, for many of us, still a very important matter. We're just seeing God as someone far distant. We're seeing Him maybe being preached about or we, we talk about Him, but we do not relate to Him as Heavenly Father. And to know Him as Heavenly Father and to walk with Him with peace in our life and to know that He is, he is with us no matter what happens. It's not a buddy-buddy thing. He's still the Lord God of glory. But we walk with Him and we enjoy Him. We, come to, we, want, we come to know Him as a person. There's three things that's going to stop us. Three things that will stop us from breaking new ground. I don't care where we are or what we're trying to do for the Lord. One is fear. We're afraid to. We're fearful of what, it will, ha- what will happen in our life if we really turn it over to the Lord. One is sin. There's something in our life we're not willing to turn loose. And we're not willing to repent and turn to the Lord. And that will block us. It will harden our hearts. The third thing is self. Is ourself. You might have to make sacrifice. You might have to say, right now I'm putting the Lord first. Whatever else comes, I'm putting the Lord first. And it will require of us sacrifice to His will, not our will. And so breaking, breaking new ground. Where are you at today? Have you let God in? Have you allowed your broken heart to become as such that you're going to let the Lord into your life? I encourage you to do it. If your heart's broken... For the Lord, I really encourage you to do it while the heart is soft and ready to receive. If you wait too long, you keep saying no, your, heart, your heart's going to get hotter, harder. And then, the desire to know more about God, make your mind up, you're going to discipline yourself to studying the Word. You're going to find ways to really study the Word that will be effective. Read it. Not only read it, but study it. Study it with others. And then desire to live God's way. Desire to live His way. And then serve Him. Know Him as a person. Experience His power. Where are you today? Are you breaking new ground in your life? Do you need to break new ground? I think prayer is the way we break it. Say, I'm, a little, I'm getting a little hard. I need to break new ground for the Lord. Let's pray together. So Father... Your Word is pretty plain. It's all we see it in all the characters of the Bible. 
we see, Lord, this need in our, all of our lives to allow our heart to be broken before the Lord. To call out like Peter called out to the Lord. Lord, help me. To, to come like the disciples and to have witnessed the Lord breaking His heart for them. And to realize that they were called to serve and not to be served. Lord, thank You for the Scriptures and what they teach us. And then what we see in other people's lives. Lord, there are certain people that when we look at their lives, we see an evidence of someone who's allowed their heart to be broken for Jesus Christ. And who are following Him. And who have His ways about them. And seeking to serve the Lord. And so God, we just look to You. Whether it's uh, God uh, as a young person, as Lord sort of in the middle of life, in the middle of our life, and things are busy all around, or maybe even toward the end of life. God, when, when you're speaking to our heart, that's the time to come. That's the time. You're waiting on us, Lord, to answer your call. And so we do so today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn to, together. Uh, the hymn is, The Savior is Waiting. And I invite you, as the Lord is speaking to your heart, there's something to pray over or a decision to make, and you feel like it's important you signify that today, walk this aisle. I'd be glad to pray with you, or you can pray along the altar. Let's stand together as we sing.